The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout heresy, and entertain. You start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day, except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth. You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive. So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe. And your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Welcome to the Philosophia Perennis de Homine live classroom and chat room tonight for tonight. The last day of the Marian month of May, May 31st, 2017. I am your co-host in Madagritor. Mike Church host of the Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. We will be joined momentarily by the one and only brother Andre Marie of the St. Benedict Center in beautiful uh, downtown Richmond, New Hampshire. Tonight we will be discussing De Homine, lecture number 14, a lecture originally given in the mid-1980s by Brother Francis Malouf of the then St. Augustine Institute, and uh, today uh, preserved for us so that we can continue learning from St. Thomas and Brother Francis and Father Feeney by the St. Benedict Center, where you'll find the lecture series if you'd like to download it and join us. I encourage you strongly to, and you should go ahead and get the Philosophia Perennis series, the entire series as well. Go to Catholicism.org, and in the Catholicism.org store, you'll see a very wide selection of uh, downloadable and shippable CD products that have the Philosophia Perennis and Dehomine lecture series on them. Uh, if you'd like to join our chat room, you're listening to us on the Crusade Channel live tonight uh, or on our app, it's easy to do. Go to my website at mikechurch.com, M-I-K-E-C-H-U-R-C-H.com. And uh, on the front page, you will see the Dehomine homepage lecture uh, uh, content items growing at the top of the page. Click that. And then uh, about, uh, about a third of the way down the page, you'll see a little set of icons there. You'll see the chat room. Open it up in a new window is the easiest way to do it. There's a little icon that'll say open up in a new wing- window. You can log in as a guest. You do not need to be 
a Founders Pass member. However, and I never mentioned this uh, in the almost two years now that we've been doing, no, it has been two years. Uh, if you'd like to make a uh, contribution to offset the $39, no, it's $49, $49 per month fee that Rumble Chat charges for us to host the chat room, you can go to the Crusade Channel website, click the Donate button, and uh, uh, donate a month's worth if, uh, if you'd like to offset that cost. Someone had asked me about that during the week, so I thought I'd mention it. Okay, live to the St. Benedict Center, and uh, Brother Andre Marie, who joins us via the Skype Maker hotline. And Brother tells me it's still uh, very uh, spring-like cool up in beautiful uh, mid-New Hampshire. Brother, how are you on this fine last day of the Marian Feast of uh, Feast Month of May? I'm, I'm well, Mike. I'm very well. How are you doing? I am well. Good. Uh, it rained all day Mike, here today, but it's not raining anymore. Yes, go I ahead. I should give you a warning. We it's raining. It's raining like crazy here. And in fact, there's an electrical storm right over me. So if I drop off. Um, then, because it's there's been a couple of lightning flashes, and I noticed that the audio ducked out a little bit. It did when that happened. So, if you hear any anomalies, it's because of that. Well, if so I, 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 I thought I should warn everyone. <laughs> well, what I may do then is I uh, I may have uh, Brother Francis lecture number fourteen uh, queued up at the ready. <laughs> If I need to go to it, because uh, I uh, I never got my Dahomey or um, uh, to, to mystic certification yet from uh, the Continuing Studies Department of the Saint Benedict Center. Uh, as a matter of fact, I haven't signed up for Sister Philomena's class yet, so <laughs> I'm not quite qualified to teach. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So why don't we that why don't we jump in? Um, Let's do it in case we you know. So what I thought we would do tonight, I put up two links in the in the um, chat room, okay. one of which was um, a link to the Dropbox uh, folder that's got the, the most recent files in it. It's got all the files for this class in it. And by the way, I'm going to try to get better about putting those things up ahead of time. Somebody made the special request that I do that, and I, and I do plan on doing that in as much as it's possible. Um, I should be able to upload some stuff today or tomorrow for next week. Okay. Um, also, um, I put up a link to the newadvent.org site, which is one of these sort of mega Catholic sites. And one of the things that it's got on it is the entire Summa Theologiae of St. Thomas. So what I thought we would do tonight, since Brother Francis very, very quickly summarized it, is that um, I thought we would go through the the that article of the Summa, that question of the Summa, uh, in in a little bit more detail than Brother did. Okay. So the the question is the 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 question in the Summa is it's concerning man's last end, and the way that Saint Thomas breaks it down, there he there are eight. Articles. It's kind of funny because he's got question. The question doesn't look like a question, but the articles are stated in the in the form of a question. Okay. 
So the question on man's last end, and here Brother Francis talked a bit about teleology, how teleology, meaning meaning um, the philosophy of ends, meaning attending to, to the question of purpose, that is to say the final cause. You know, Aristotle has four causes, the material cause, the formal cause, the efficient cause, and the final cause, and Aristotle calls the final cause, the cause of causes, because it's the most important. And as uh, Aristotle says, and as St. Thomas affirms, in fact, multiple times in this uh, particular question, the final cause is the first in intention, but the last in execution. Because the final cause is that for which a thing is caused, okay? Right. Whatever we, we talk about, if, if, the, if you're talking about making a chair... The final cause is that that you may have a seat <laughs> that's got a purpose. And that's what Brother Francis talks about when he speaks of teleology. So, uh, Mike, am, am I still coming You're through? here. Yep, you're still there. You're still there. Oh, good, good. Okay, when I, when I don't hear you say something in a while, I, I get worried. I'm reading. So, uh, Brother Francis... Brother Francis talks about this this whole thing about teleology. He he went on kind of one of his um, you know rather intense Jeremiads against modern education and how modern education is not uh, purpose driven. It's not it's not it's not for a purpose. There's a, there's a serious lack of purpose uh, in modern education and a and a lack of emphasis on the concept of purpose. So. Um, I mean, as a result, I mean, one of the things that I think is that uh, I never heard Brother Francis say this in exactly these words, but uh, I, th I think he would agree with it. One of the reasons you have so many suicides and the suicide rate keeps going up. I mean, you see the suicide rate. I mean, there was a headline today about record suicide rate in Chicago police. We know there's very high suicide rate in military personnel, and I'm sure there are lots of different causes for this, but I think one of the one of the causes is people don't know what their final cause is. People people have a sense of purposelessness, and when you when when you when you don't when you lack a sense of purpose, um, it, this is something which quite easily leads to despair. And I'm convinced that uh, to the vocations crisis, and especially what happened in the 60s and 70s with priests and religious leaving their vocations. A lot of it is because they lost the sense of the purpose of what their sacred vocation was, and again, you you can't you can't tolerate as a rational being. You cannot tolerate your existence if you have no sense of your purpose, especially if you've deliberately jettisoned the purpose that, that, that you were told initially was was your purpose. So uh, the, the question of purpose is a very very important question. And um, St. Thomas uh, takes a very leisurely romp through <laughs> this question of man's last end, which is to say that our purpose. So he does it under the following questions. First, does it belong to man to act for an end? To which the answer is obviously yes. But the way that he answers it is, um, is, very, is uh, very informative. It's more than just a yes answer. Okay. The next one is, is this, is this proper to the rational creature? In other words, is acting for a last end something un unique? The word is proper. I think it, it, it might be better translated as peculiar. So is it peculiar to 
a rational creature uh, to have uh, a last end? And the answer, the answer to that is no, because everything that is has, has a last end. Everything that is has some sort of a purpose. Um, and then the third question is, are a man's actions specified by their end? Are a man's actions specified by their end? And to that, he's going to answer um, in the affirmative. Um, and the, then we get we, then we get the question: Is there any last end of human life? Is there any last end of human life? Of course, the answer is yes. Five: Can one man have several last ends? The answer to that is, of course, no, because there can only be one last end. That's the nature of a last end. It's, it, there's, there's a finality to it. Then six, does man ordain all to the last end? Does man ordain all to the last end? And uh, it may be seem curious to us that he answers that in the affirmative, that yes, we do ordain everything to our last end. Uh, then seven, do all men have the same last end? And the answer to that is yes. And then finally, do other creatures concur with man in that last end? And, and the answer is no, but it's, it's a nuanced no. So now we can go back and kind of take a more leisurely, um, stroll through these. Um, first of all, I think we, I think we need to cut to the chase because there's no way we're going to go through this entire question of the Summa with anything like uh, thoroughness. But I do think it, it worth saying that, that the answer to the, to the big question, what is man's final end? It is happiness. <laughs> we know this from the course in ethics. Man's final end is his, it, it's his good and it is happiness. And, and no rational, no uh, no non-rational creature can can participate in happiness. So this is why Saint Thomas says that other creatures, non-rational creatures, cannot participate in this. So we can go. Um, well, so our, our our last end is happiness, and our happiness, the happiness of the rational creature, is found in God. It's found in contemplation. So the so the we're kind of cheating. We're kind of looking to the end here, to the, to the to the last couple of pages here, and saying that yes, man's final end is happiness, and his happiness is found in God. Now, in other places, like in the Summa Contra Gentiles, Saint Thomas spends, I think, over a hundred pages going through the different things that people put their happiness in, whether it be uh, pleasure, whether it be you know f physical pleasure, merely uh, uh, intellectual pleasure, whether it be um, uh, riches, whether it be uh, other people, whether it be power, he goes uh, for page after page after page, showing how man's final end uh, cannot be in all of these things, uh, and and he he proves as well as it can be proved that uh, man's final end can only be, his ultimate happiness can only be found in contemplation of God. It can only be found in contemplation of the first cause. Now, he does not go into that kind of detail here in the Summa, but he sim simply uh, takes it, makes, makes, a, makes an observation 
that man's happiness is found in in knowing and loving God. That's man's ultimate happiness. But all of these other questions are just getting us sort of where we can even talk about that. Establishing that there is one last end, that there is a last end period, that men have a last end, and that it can only be single and things like that. Uh, so, the first question then is whether it belongs to man to have a last end. And uh, sometimes the most interesting things in the Summa come by way of little incidental mentions that St. Thomas makes. So let me just read the first objection. I won't go to all of the objections. But in the first objection, he says this. It would seem that it does not belong to man to act for an end. For a cause is naturally first, but an end in its very name implies something that is last. Therefore, an end is not a cause, but that for which a man acts is the cause of his actions, since this preposition for indicates a relation of causality. Therefore, it does not belong to man to act for an end. And this is what, this is, so, uh, now, now, of course, he's, he's going to answer the question, in the affirmative, that it does belong to man to act for an end. And he answers the objection this way, although the end be last in the order of execution, yet it is first in the order of the agent's intention. And this is the way that it is a cause. So uh, I already I already kind of um, mentioned this, that the final cause is first in the order of intention, but last in the order of execution. And what does that mean? Well, okay, you're taking a trip to go hike the Grand Canyon. So when you when you consider your journey to the to the Grand Canyon, you're gonna get you get you know you're gonna walk out of your driveway. You're gonna get into your car. You're gonna drive the car out the driveway. You're gonna drive the car onto your street. You're gonna t you're gonna take a turn in that street, turn in that street. You're gonna end up on this interstate, that interstate, the other interstate. After X number of days travel, depending on where you started, you're going to end up in the Grand Canyon or, or in, in, in Arizona, where the Grand Canyon is. <laughs> but you have, all, you have this whole succession of events, right? The, the purpose for which you started on your journey, when you, when, you're, when you got your feet moving to get into the car, was that final purpose, that, that end of arriving at the Grand Canyon, okay? So you cannot, you, 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 what was first in the order of intention is last in the order of execution in this chain of causes, right? Does it, I hope everybody sees that. That makes sense. No, it makes the reason sense. that, yeah, so, so it's your purpose. It's first in intention because that's what's in your mind. I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> But it's last in the order of execution because, uh, uh, you know, it's it, when you when you reach your purpose, when you get your end, well, it's over. Okay, that's the end. Now we're just talking about a finite little segment of a chain of causality within our lifetime. We're not. We're, we're talking about <laughs> a really approximate end. We're not talking about a last end, but we are talking about an end. So the the purpose. <clears throat> which is the same as an end, the same as a, as a, as a final cause, is something that uh, uh, is, is first in the order of intention, 
last in the order of execution. So um, that I, that is an important uh, thing that's found in the object. Sometimes the best, best material is found in the objections. Okay, so but l let me read to you how he answers how how he answers the question. So uh, after after giving several objections to to whether it belongs to man to act for an end. He gives the on the contrary. He says, all things contained in a genus are delivered from the principle of that genus. Now, the end is the principle in human operations, as the philosopher states. Of course, the philosopher is Aristotle in, his, in his physics. Therefore, it belongs to man to do everything for an end. <coughs> it belongs to man to do everything for an end. Then he gives his own explanation. I answer that. Of actions done by man... Those alone are properly called human, which are proper to man, as man. Now, man differs from irrational animals in this, that he is master of his actions. Wherefore, those actions alone are properly called human, of which man is master. Now, man is master of his actions through his reason and will. Hence, too, the free will is defined as the faculty, of, of, the faculty and will of reason. Therefore, those actions are properly called human, which proceed from a deliberate will. And if any other actions are found in man, they can be called actions of a man, but not properly human actions, since they are not proper to a man, as man. Now, it is clear that whatever actions proceed from a power are caused by that power in accordance with the nature of its object. But the object of the will is the end and the good is, is the end and the good. Therefore, all human actions must be for an end. Okay, and there's a lot to that, but he's distinguishing between something we've talked about before, the the um, the actus humanus and the actus hominis. The, the human act, which is rational, which involves the reason and the will, and the um, act of a man, which is something that we might have in common with brute creation, or uh, with with trees, or with uh, um, even inanimate objects. For instance, I could fall out of the window that's right next to me, just like a rock can. That's not a human act because it doesn't take the will, it doesn't take the intellect. Um, it, it may take me being clumsy or something, but but uh, I am subject to gravity as a rock is. Okay, so th th that's not a human act. But it's it now. If I jumped out the window, that would be a human act. Okay, I I. I I use my will to do something deliberate. Uh, that is a human act. But every man directs his will towards some object under the under the um, aspect that it's going to bring him some happiness or do him some good. <laughs> Actually, in saying that, I'm sort of anticipating things a bit. Um, so we do things directed towards our last end. Even if it's something stupid, we're doing it directed towards our last end. That's how, that's how we work. All right, so Article 2, I'm going really quickly through these, but if I go any, any slower, we won't, we won't get anywhere near to the end of this. The second article is whether it is proper to the rational nature of man uh, to act for an end. And again, he's really asking whether it's something peculiar to rational nature to act for an end. In other words, does brute creation also act for an end? So 
<clears throat> what he says is, the philosopher proves, this is in the on the contrary, the philosopher proves that not only mind, but also nature acts for an end. So he's talking about all of creation, all of nature, everything acts for an end. Um, uh, let me take a time out and answer a question that's in the, in the, in the chat room. Okay. Uh, first... Brother, why, uh, why is it that all of our earthly attempts, to, is this, is this why our earthly attempts to find happiness always lead to despair without God? Well, yeah, because, so I, I take it that the this that Jezreel's asking about is uh, that man's last end is happiness and that that happiness consists in knowing and loving God. The answer is yes, that's, that's why, you know, a, a happiness that is sought contrary to God's law uh, and that directs us away from our final end is going to make us unhappy, and and uh, <clears throat> that is something uh, that is even realized in this life. Obviously, hell is the ultimate unhappiness, <clears throat> ultimate in the sense of last, and ultimate in the sense of uh, uh, of greatest and highest in the order of magnitude. But um, since God is our last end, if we do things. <laughs> that frustrate our achieving that last end, <coughs> we are not going to be happiness. We're not going to be ha achieve happiness. I'm sorry, I'm sort of choking to death here. I'm trying to get a cough drop in my mouth as I'm speaking. <coughs> okay, so, are there any other questions? Um, I have created a good habit of listening to the Mike Church show. Yes, that that's a good habit. Brother, you're gonna make it. It sounds like you're struggling a little bit. Let me let, let me pop in here and do a station ID. This is the Philosophia Podenis live classroom and chat room for the lecture series Dohomene. We are covering lecture number fourteen tonight. You can join us in the chat room live if you just want to eavesdrop on on it. You don't actually have to log into it, even though the login is free and you can log in as a guest. Uh, go to mikechurch.com and at the top of the page during, during the graphic scroll. Wait for Dahomene lecture series to come up. Click that link and you'll see the chat room there. Uh, immediately following the end of this broadcast tonight, if you leave the Crusade Channel app on or go to the website, you will be able to listen to the very latest episode of Brother Andre Marie's uh, in a, a very famous and very well-received uh, radio show series called Reconquest. And tonight is, I'm going to get it right, da -da -da -da, episode number 78. Hey, good for you. Are you are you a cappella tonight? Are you solo or uh, are you in, or or are you... I am a cappella tonight. Yes. When are you... I'm 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 solo. I'm trying actually to line up guests, and uh, as you know, it can be very involved to do that. But I've been I've been yesterday. I spent a couple of hours in trying to line up guests, and I may actually have Doctor Esselin on my next show, but that's a big maybe. <clears throat> Well, I've been trying to get him for weeks, and uh, we actually had him scheduled, and uh, he didn't make it. So, <laughs> good luck <Oops>. with that. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> We're all struggling, you know, because especially if they're professors or if they're in academia, <laughs> because the, yeah. the school year is ending, and most of them are going on hiatus or sabbatical for the uh, until next fall, and they really don't want much to do with any of us. Yeah, well, uh, he seemed willing. I just I need to kind of nail 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 him down on the time and all. But there there are so I I've been on a major guest quest lately, 
largely thanks to the suggestions that I got from my little feedback form I posted up. Um, but um, I, I still, I still, it's still a struggle, as you as you know, it's a struggle to get All people. All the um, time. So, so what are you covering? <laughs> what what are you covering on De Homine tonight? I mean, on a, a reconquest tonight. <laughs> In the Reconquest tonight, I'm t- uh, it's called Introducing the Ecumenical Councils. And I'm glad I named it that and not the Ecumenical Councils, as if I could take t- 21 of the most important events in the history of the world and summarize them in an hour. <laughs> but um, it's just, just introducing what an Ecumenical Council is and talking about especially the first, f- the first few of them. So... Um, that's um, yeah. That's that's what I did, and it was all solo. So, and there are plenty of links, links galore up on the um, reconquest.net page, uh, so, so that people can read more about it. So, the first one is uh, Jerusalem or Ephesus. Well, well, okay. The Council of Jerusalem is not really considered ecumenical. I mean, it was the apostles, but. It was the the the, uh, the first ecumenical council was the, ecum- the the council of Nicaea in the year three twenty five. The first night the, uh, there are two uh, Nicaeas, right? What's that? There are two Nicaeas. That's right, Nicaea, Nicaea the first in three twenty five, and then Nicaea the second, which was in I think seven eighty seven. So which one do we get the creed yeah, out of? And, uh, the creed comes from the first. Okay. That's <laughs> And, I'm, and I spent, and I go into some detail on that. And I talked about the two, two other things. In fact, Nicaea was what I spent most of the time talking about. So well, I look forward uh, to it. And that is, um, yeah. Well, it, it's uh, it's it's an important it's an important study. The Ecumenical Councils. It's a, it's also a huge study. I mean, there are massive tomes written on on individual Ecumenical Councils, especially the early ones. Well, I imagine so. Well, credo and unum dam to you, brother. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we owe a lot to the, to the fathers of Nicaea. Or don't we? <laughs> okay, so um, we have we have next in the, in the Summa here. We're we're talking about um, again whether it's proper to the rational nature of man to act for an end. But um, he says so. He quotes Aristotle saying that not only mind but also nature acts for an end. Uh, then he goes on an explanation. Every agent. Now, what is an agent? He's not talking about like a, a secret agent man. He's when he says an agent, he meant something that acts, coming from um, ago agere to act, to do. Every doer, in other words, everything that does something does it for a purpose. So every agent of necessity acts for an end. For if in a number of causes ordained to one another, the first be removed, the others must of necessity be removed also. Now the first of all causes is the final cause, the reason of which is that matter does not receive form save insofar as it is moved by an agent, for nothing reduces itself from potentiality to act. So something outside has to reduce something from potency to act. But the agent does not move except uh, out of intention for an end. For if the agent were not determinate to some particular effect, it would not do one thing rather than another. Consequently, in order that it produce a determinate effect, it must of necessity be determined to some certain one which has the nature of an end. And just as this determination is effected in the rational nature by the rational appetite, which is called will, so in all things it is caused by their natural inclination, 
which is called the natural appetite. So he talks about the natural appetite that's found in everything. Now, you might find it weird that, that, that St. Thomas will talk about the natural appetite that's contained in a piece of wood or in a rock. But they all, in as much as they all act for, for their purpose, they all, whether, whether uh, brute animals or plants or even inanimate material, material, inanimate matter, inanimate objects, they all act to a purpose by being true to their nature. <clears throat> How could a rock have a natural appetite? Well, it gravitates downward. Okay, so this is, this is part of the perfection of a rock. As a, as a material being with, with, with mass, it is attracted, it has an appetite for the center of the earth. So this is part of what, what, what make, this is part of its nature. So it has a natural appetite. It's not a volitional thing like, like, like it is in man, nor is, it, nor is it a sentient appetite like it is in animals. Of course, animals can be hungry. They can be thirsty. They have appetites just like we do, except a rational appetite, which is called the will. They have sentient appetites, though, and, and those very much resemble ours. Plants have appetites too, and why? I mean, they 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 move towards sunlight, and by by contact with it, and they of course move towards water by contact with it in their roots. So they have certain natural appetites. It's easier to appreciate natural appetites in plants, even uh, than than an inanimate creation. But that exists too, and and I should point out that there is a consistency in the way that these things work for their purposes. The, 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 uh, the animals truly do work to their own end. They work to their own personal preservation, right? They eat, you know. They work for the preservation of their species. They, they reproduce, and they, they achieve their perfection, which, which is their good. Now, animals can achieve happiness, and uh, brute animals cannot achieve happiness, which is something rational, but they can have certain pleasure, and when in the pursuit of their pleasure, they, they fulfill their ends, they, they're working towards their purpose, and you, th and you think, how is it now, how is it that animals work to an evident purpose? How is it that plants work to an evident purpose? How is it that rocks work to an evident purpose when in, no, when, when in none of these things is there intelligence? Even though animals have knowledge, they don't have intelligence, right? Well, the answer is that the intelligence, purpose always conveys intelligence. Purpose always reveals an intelligence at work, right? <clears throat> but in the case of all of these other things, the intelligence isn't in them, it's outside of them, right? It was in their making, it was in the designing of them. So where you see order, uh, and that order is obviously not something that happened by random happenstance, uh, you see intelligence at work. This, of course, is the, is the major argument of the, the so-called intelligent design theory. I'm reading a book on intelligent design right now, so this is kind of on my mind. But this is very St. Thomas, who is a, who's the philosopher and the theologian of order, is here spelling out in this question some of the main um, points of what the 
the current day so-called intelligent design community would be saying about um, about origins, about the origin of the universe. There's an obvious, there's a very evident purpose. And the more you get into um, the more you get into the study of this question, St. Thomas didn't know so much of what we know today by science. And just one example, all, all of even the least complex forms of life have massive amounts of data, massive amounts of information found in their uh, cell nuclei. They have to. Otherwise, they wouldn't be living things. We know that today by the study of things like the, the, the genetic code, DNA, all that stuff. So there's this massive complexity. And in the case of living beings, that massive complexity is all oriented towards having this thing work out its purpose. <laughs> so anyway, that, that, there's a little bit of a digression. But you see the complexity of the design there in these, in these living things and how they are directed clearly towards a purpose and the, but the purpose was put in them from outside it's not something that they're working towards from the inside you still hearing me mike i'm still hearing you loud and clear this is the philosophy perennis uh, live classroom and chat room here on the <coughs> crusade channel king size truth from radio size speakers we're covering dahomey lecture number 14 tonight and you can download the lecture series at catholicism.org and uh, you can read Brother Andre Marie every day of the week. He's uh, hiding in plain sight on the Twitter, Brother underscore Andre, on Facebook, Brother Andre Marie, and via email, BAM, B-A-M, at Catholicism.org. Yeah, Brother, I'm, uh, I, I'm hearing you because I didn't get a chance to actually listen to this one again, and I probably heard it about six weeks ago. Uh, I, I, I'm listening more than I'm participating because uh, it's remedial. <laughs> That's okay. I'm just making sure that I'm cough, and I find out ten minutes later that everything I said was lost. No, 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 no. I, okay. I've got Brother Francis queued up uh, in, in case we uh, we need immediate uh, relief. Okay. So Saint Thomas says, uh, continuing in his in his I answer that for this for this next for this question. He says, nevertheless, it must be observed that a thing tends to an end by its action or movement in two ways. First, as a thing moving itself to the end, as man. Secondly, as a thing moved by another to the end, as an arrow detends to a determinate end through being moved by the archer who directs his action to the end. So he's comparing a man who, who's, who's achieving his end on him, of himself to an arrow which is being directed from outside by another, by the archer. Therefore, those things tend to a determinate end through being moved. Excuse me. Therefore, those things that are possessed of reason move themselves to an end because they have dominion over their actions through their free will, which is the faculty of will and reason. But those things that lack reason tend to an end by natural inclination as being moved by another and not by themselves, since they do not know <coughs> the nature of an end as such. And consequently, that it cannot ordain anything to that end, but can be ordained to an end only by another. For as for the entire irrational nature is in comparison to God as the instrument to the principal agent, as stated above. So, 
it's basically he's saying what we basically just said that God put a purpose in all of these things in creating them with that nature <clears throat> and by simply being true to their nature they achieve the end <clears throat> a brute animal achieves its end by by uh, the use of its highest faculties which is its uh, its passions huh so uh, that's the highest thing that that they they've got they've got their knowing faculties and they've got their uh, appetites and by use, utilizing those, they fulfill the purposes that God put in them. And in order to give them that, he gave them a tremendous amount of complexity and a tremendous amount of um, complementarity of their different faculties and, and, and abilities and, and, and the, the, um, the, the, the harmonious structures that he gave to them and so forth, the harmony of attributes that he gave to these, to these animals. Uh, we have all that plus a rational nature. We have an intellect and we have a will, which is the rational appetite. And the difference between us and the animals is that we can move ourselves. I don't mean to say we have the power of locomotion. Animals have that. I mean, we can move ourselves to a purpose. We can move ourselves in a rational way, whereas animals cannot. <coughs> okay, so a question is being asked. So as man, we are directing our actions, but being directed by another external to ourselves? Well, uh, no, we're, we're directing ourselves. Now, we get, we get assistance in the order, and, you know, we, we have the assistance in the beginning by being made. We didn't make ourselves. God reduced us from potency to act. But as far as working out uh, our purpose, working out our last end, that's something that we do ourselves, but we do it with the assistance of grace. But the will has to be engaged, huh? So man has to work to his, to his purpose. Man has to work to fulfill his purpose. <clears throat> okay, because that's the nature of that, the, the rational appetite. Okay, the next question is this. Um, whether human acts are specified by their end, and what does that mean? Um... Whether whether the goodness or bad, this is basically asking whether a human act is good or bad in relation to whether it achieves its end or not. So, uh, objection one, it would seem that human acts are not specified by their end, for the end is an extrinsic cause, but everything is specified by an intrinsic principle, therefore human acts are not specified by their end. So, you know, as soon as you read that in the Summa, <laughs> he's going to argue the very opposite because that's the objection. So how do, so how does he answer that first objection? <clears throat> the end is not altogether extrinsic to the act because it is related to the act as a principle or terminus. And thus it is just this that is essential to act, that is to proceed from something considered as action to proceed towards something considered as passion. I don't have time to unpack that right now, but let me just skip to his um, answer. He says that St. Augustine says, quote, according as their end is worthy of blame or praise, so are our deeds worthy of blame or of praise. So our deeds are good in as much as they help us to fulfill our last end. And that's the major argument of this whole of this whole um, article three 
of the question, which is whether human acts are specified by their end. <coughs> are human acts good or bad? And if they are good or bad, why? Well, why? Because if they achieve their end, if they are directed towards the end of human nature, which is man's happiness, then the act is good. If they are not directed towards man's happiness, then the act is bad. Now, of course, you have to ask then the question, what does man's happiness consist in? And we've already answered that, right? So obviously anything that's contrary to that end is um, is going to be bad. <coughs> I'm sorry, I keep um, coughing, and I wish that I weren't inflicting all that on you. Um, this is the uh, Philosophy okay, of Prodigious Live classroom and chat room. We're covering lecture number 14 of Dahomey tonight with Brother uh, Andre Marie here. And you are uh, always free to join the, uh, the chat room and the live classroom simply by going to my website at MikeChurch.com, waiting for the scroll at the top of the page to get to the Dahomey homepage or under the menus if you choose Catholicism and then... Uh, after Catholicism, you choose Philosophia Perennis, then uh, the resulting page will be the top selection will be Dahomey homepage. Uh, remember that you can download any and all of these lecture series um, as individual lectures um, by their category or by their topic at Catholicism.org. And uh, while you're there, if you ask Brother Andre, tell him you're a Crusade Channel listener, there is a discount available to you because you heard about it here. Uh, following a, a philosophy of Ponenis Dahomey tonight will be a brand new uh, episode of Brother Andre Marie's Reconquest radio show. You can download and listen to all 77 previous episodes of Reconquest on uh, the website, the brand new website with the brand new uh, makeover and the theme and the new listen service and the new audio service. <clears throat> We really upgraded the game here in the last uh, four days here. Please check it out at crusadechannel.com. That's crusadechannel.com. And, uh, of course, on Sundays now, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central, that's 10 to noon on the East, uh, we interrupt ser Sermon Sunday for a pair of randomly rotating best of Reconquest radio shows that you can listen to on uh, your way to and from uh, uh, a mass on Sunday. So, having said all that, let's get back to Brother Andre. Um, brother, we, we have uh, 10 minutes left, and looks like uh, <laughs> four more questions. Okay, yeah, well, and uh, obviously we can only really summarize them. By the way, I just had about, I just chugged about two ounces of Sister Maria Rosaria's homemade cold and flu tincture. So <laughs> that'll either cure me or make me drunk. <laughs> cure you, so make you drunk, really or silly. kill you. <laughs> <laughs> if I start getting really silly, you'll know why. Okay. Now, um, in this, in this, uh, in this particular question, Article Article Three, which is whether um, human acts are specified by their end, he does make one point that I want to bring out, and I won't read him. Um, he says that moral acts are the same as human acts. Remember before we distinguished between the acts of a, the act of a man and a human act? Right. Well, in as much as it is a human act, it is a moral act. Every uh, action that is based upon man's reason and his uh, his uh, 
reasonable appetite, which is his will, has a moral dimension to it. So it's it, and, and it, it's morally good or morally bad. So every actus humanus has a, a moral dimension. I mean, when people talk about, you know, morality is not very important, when they trivialize morality, I mean, every, it, it, they don't realize how messed up that conclusion is, that assertion is, because every human act has a moral dimension. There is something um, just clu fundamentally clueless about the statement that morality is a purely subjective thing because every single human act has a moral dimension. And that's something that we need to reckon with in our, in our own lives. Okay, now the next, the next article is this, whether there is one last end of human life. And the answer to this, of course, is yes. There is not a, multipli a multiplicity of, of last ends. There is not an infinity of last ends um, <clears throat> there can only be one last end. So we'll, we'll skip <coughs> ahead to the on the contrary. Again, he quotes Aristotle, <coughs> who says, quote, to suppose a thing to be indefinite is to deny that it is good, end quote. But the good is that which man has the nature of an end. Um, excuse me, the good is that which has the nature of an end. Therefore, it is contrary to the nature of an end to proceed indefinitely. Therefore, it is necessary to fix one last end. <coughs> so, <clears throat> he further argues that, absolutely speaking, it is not possible to proceed indefinitely in the matter of ends from any point of view. And he goes into some complex argumentation here. But to cut to the chase, his conclusion is that there can only be one last end of human life. And that last end, again, he's going to, he's going to conclude is happiness. And how do we achieve happiness? We achieve happiness by achieving our good. That is how. All creatures are directed towards their perfection. All creatures are directed towards their good. And for man, that good is the achieving of his happiness. And the only way that we can achieve our happiness is in the knowledge and the love of God. And elsewhere, he's going to argue that it's not just any knowledge of God, but it's a direct knowledge of God face to face. In other words, the only way man can ultimately be happy is by partaking of the beatific vision. That's it. That is the, that is the way that man is happy. Um, so everything that is directed towards that purpose will lead to our happiness. Everything that is that directs us away from that purpose is going to lead us to <coughs> to misery and to unhappiness. Article five: <coughs> Whether one man can have several last ends. And the answer to this, of course, is no. Let me read you the on the contrary: that which in man rests as in his last end, is the master of his affections, since he takes therefrom his entire rule of life. Hence of gluttons, it is written, quote, whose God is their belly. This is St. Paul writing to the Philippians, chapter 3. He talks about those for whom, to whom their God is their belly, because they place their last end in the pleasures of the belly. Now, according to Matthew 6, 24, quote, 
No man can serve two masters, such namely as are not ordained to one another. Therefore, it is impossible for one man to have several last ends not ordained to one another. Now, there are proximate ends. So you might say, well, not everything that I do is direct. Even a good man, even a saint, you'd think that not everything he does is directly, explicitly ordained to the end of the beatific vision. But any good act is directed towards some good end, even in this life. Like, for instance, I want to help this person uh, by being kind to him, even though it's difficult to do so, uh, because that's something that God commands, okay? Uh, Practicing patience and forbearance with my neighbor. Well, you might not explicitly have in your mind that that's orienting right now towards the beatific vision, but you're, you're, you're working on that particular virtue as you might call it a proximate end. But what's the purpose of that proximate end? It's to fulfill the law of God. And fulfilling the law of God, through a chain of ends, you're working towards that ultimate end, huh? that last end. So we just like we talked about the trip to to uh, the Grand Canyon, which obviously is not man's last end, a trip to the Grand Canyon, because the Grand Canyon is not heaven. <laughs> um, uh, we can speak in terms of proximate ends. huh? We can speak in terms of a multiplicity of ends, but the saint who's working to do good in this life, every good thing he does, even if it, if it seems directed towards a proximate end in this life, is ultimately directed towards the fulfilling of his, of his ultimate happiness, which is happiness in God and the beatific vision. Okay. Uh, yeah, bacon. Some, <laughs> some people put their happiness in bacon, Aaron points out. Well, it's a okay, pretty good so place I, to put it. What's that? It's a pretty good place to put it. Everything tastes better with bacon. <laughs> that's right <clears throat> as a friend of mine likes bacon wrapped bacon so apparently that's like the ultimate in happiness okay now article six whether man uh will uh, whether man wills all whatsoever he wills for the last end and believe it or not he answers this question in the affirmative he quotes St. Augustine saying, that is the end of our good for the sake of which we love other things, whereas we love it for its own sake. Now here we have an obvious, there's an obvious objection. If, if man wills everything for his last end, but his last end is finding his happiness in God, <coughs> why do people do bad things? Why do people do immoral things? Why do people do things that are obviously contrary to that purpose? <coughs> and the answer is, man's last end is happiness not everybody is aware of the the proper means to that to that end and even some people who are aware of it like me uh, are frequently sinning and doing things that aren't properly directed towards that last end but why do we do what we do why do we sin why do we go for this particular uh, pleasure or that particular satisfaction when it when it's manifestly not going to direct us towards our last end. And the reason is because we're pursuing it under the aspect of our last end. Let's go back to what St. Paul told the Philippians about um, gluttons, that, that their, their God is their belly. 
why do they why do they commit gluttony? Why do they do this? Well, because they are pursuing their happiness. As I've heard, I heard somebody say about a a, um, a container of ice cream. Happiness is at the bottom. So you know, he was. It's as if he was going to dive into the container of ice cream and race to the bottom to find happiness. And of course, he was saying this as a joke because he he knew that that's obviously not the way to happiness. But there is there is a, there is a satisfaction. There is a, there is a brute animal, um, a sentient, purely sentient satisfaction that comes at the pleasures of the palate. And of course, God intended it to be enjoyed uh, in proper moderation for the continuance of the, of the individual, just as He intended the sexual pleasures to be enjoyed within the proper context of matrimony for the continuance of the species. Brother, we're going to have to wrap it up there. That's all the time we have here, folks. Stay tuned for our (laughs) brand new episode of the Reconquest Show coming up here on the Crusade Channel. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. It's Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. (laughs) 